Hello, everybody out there in podcast land. I am Chantal Bisson, author of the Without Losing Your Cool book series. I'm also a serial entrepreneur, and I may or may not be married to the world's most incredible husband, but I'm definitely mama to three sassy, fiery, ambitious adult daughters and newly minted grandmother to my grandson, Rory. My mama always said I had the gift of the gab. So welcome to my podcast, Without Losing Your Cool, where I tackle, discuss, and uncover the curveballs that come at you in this messy, beautiful thing called life and hopefully help you get through them without losing your cool. Take it from somebody who's been through a whole gamut of life's challenges, traumas, and obstacles. I'm your been there, done that, but it didn't kill me. It made me stronger cheerleader BFF you've been looking for. Every Wednesday, I will bring you some sassy, tell it like it is truth bombs, moments of reflection, and answer a burning question asked by one of my listeners, of course, and interview some incredible guests whose life experiences, stories, and expertise will make you feel seen and heard. Remember, none of us are alone out there. So let's dive into today's episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's solo podcast where I answer a listener's question live on the episode. And I just want to say, if you've been calling in and leaving me questions, I I appreciate every single one of you. And there's been some really good juicy ones. And I'm sorry that I can't do more. Maybe as this grows, I'll answer more than one listener's podcast question at a time. But for right now, save time and keep you guys on schedule with your daily activities we're going to stick to one. So today is no different. Let's have a listen to this week's podcast call-in guest and her question. Hello, Chantel. I have two questions, actually. One is coming from a little bit deeper place. I'm wondering what your thoughts on raising your kids to be strong, uh, independent people after have suffering trauma yourself and not passing that um, trauma on to your kids. Uh, and secondly, is about living with adult children. How do you keep your cool with your self-absorbed, self-involved adult children when they are living with you? My son is just driving me crazy. <laughs> wow, okay, that is a great two-parter. Maybe I'll, I'll start at the end first because I feel like the first part of the question is a little bit heavier. I have to say that, you know, we've been in the situation where our girls have come and gone many times. They've launched and then they've had to come back home because, I mean, anybody who's alive and breathing right now knows that life is complicated. And obviously life is always complicated, but given two years of the global pandemic, economically, there's just so much instability going on globally. And certainly prior to the pandemic, I know my girls experienced a lot of job insecurity and, and, you know, financial challenges and struggles because just life is just so expensive, you know, but now we're faced with even greater stress on us, on our pocketbooks and on our bank accounts with, you know, things at the source, just raw materials have become so much more expensive because there was a shortage there. People were unable to have their factories up and running and it just, it's all snowballed and gone downhill. So a lot of adult children are living at home. And this is really dear to my heart because I empathize a lot with our adult children because the reality is they don't want to be there. 
really. They don't want to live under our roofs. There's, I know for my girls, there was a lot of shame. There was a lot of um, disappointment that they had gone out and had to come back in. Um, you know, a lot of kids in my experience, certainly with my own three, is that when they went out to university, they thought that was it. They thought they were done. You know, they thought that they were no longer going to live under mom and dad's roof and they were ready to launch into their own adulthood. So it, I, I know it was difficult for them to have to come back home. And, you know, as a parent, it's emotionally challenging too, right? Because you've got to think that every time a child goes away, you start the mourning process, you start the grieving process of like, okay, well, we're not a family anymore. You know, we're not all under one roof anymore. And it becomes about scheduling time to hang out and see one another and and have that quality time that you get so readily when they're under your roof. So there's a whole bunch of emotional transitions and adjustments that you make as your child either goes off to university or just gets their first apartment. And then you go through that process and you get to the other side and you're quote unquote healed and you're ready to move on and carry on if you're still with your partner that you have your children with and you're ready to be empty nesters and you're ready to explore what that looks like in your relationship with one another and have that alone time and have that, you know, focused energy just on your partnership. And then when they come back, that all goes to hell in a handbasket, right? Because all of a sudden they're back at home. And it's amazing to me. I used to always say this to my girls whenever they had to move back in home. I was like, they'd be like, there's no food in the fridge or what's for dinner or what are we having for lunch or what are we doing today? And I would look at them and I'd say, well, I don't know. What did you feed yourself when you were living in your own apartment? What did you feel feed yourself when you were at campus or you had your own house with roommates? Like, where did the food come from then? So we used to have, that was a big issue for us when our, when our girls came back in our relationship with one another. It was just like, wait a minute, how do you get to revert right back in some ways to being a child? Like you get to revert back organically. It just happens that the expectation is we're doing your laundry. I'm doing all the grocery shopping. I'm lining the cabinets. I'm feeding, I'm doing it. So that was a huge transition. I remember that being a huge transition. And for me as the mom, I remember, and I don't know if this is partly what you're feeling or what's happening in your house, but I was a little bit resentful. Like I felt dumped on, you know, I felt like all of a sudden I'd had sort of that taste of freedom of, you know, my husband and I, and I would be like, oh, we don't need a lot of groceries because you're on set all day and I go out and meet girlfriends or I go out and I meet the girls and I'm eating out or we're going out for dinner or we're ordering in, you know, there was that, that we were finally grownups and we were like our own people all of a sudden and it was exciting and it was fun. And then all of a sudden it all came back. It all came flooding back where I was like, mom, my mom hat, my full-time mom hat went back on. And then there's that like dichotomy where they're like, well, you can't tell me what to do. I don't have to come home at a certain hour and I don't have to let you know where I am because they've already had that autonomy, right? Like they've already lived out on their own and they've had that independence and then they come back home, they want their meals cooked, but they don't want to be asked any questions about what they're doing. So it's a huge adjustment. It's a huge adjustment for both of you. Um, And again, I think what's so important as parents and what we need to remember, we need to focus on is that the likelihood of them wanting to be under your roof and not being able to launch is pretty slim to none that they're totally, totally stoked about being home. So I would say, I would recommend, as I always do, you know, I'm big on talking things through. I would recommend that you first, as the parent, get clear on your expectations of behavior. 
What are your expectations? What do you need to see your son do and how do you need him to behave so you feel respected? Like you feel like, okay, this is my house. You were here and then you were gone and now you're back. And you don't get to just come in here and just behave however you want and be a little asshole. So you need to get to the point where you are clear on what you want for the relationship to feel good to you. And once you know what you need and what your expectations are, if you're not good at like, you know, that retention, memory retention, where you can just like call it off just like that in a conversation, jot it down, you know, make it very clear, make it concise, and then call a meeting with your son and say, hey, when you are available, when you feel like you're in a good space to have what might end up being a difficult conversation with me, how about we sit down and we talk about how things are going and not only how things are going for me, but how things are going for you. I want us to be happy. I want us to get along. It's a blessing to have extra time with your kids. I know it probably doesn't feel like it right now by the sounds of your call, but it really is. There will be a time where he will go off and he will have his own life and it might not even be in the country. So these moments, these extra months, weeks, years, whatever you're going to get, cherish them. I know it's hard and it's so romantic, right? But really find a way to get to a point where you are feeling honored. Because I think that's what happens with us moms when our kids come back is like, we just kind of feel dumped on and we just kind of feel used. And and something we did at our house was like, we kind of gave, um, not kind of, but we gave responsibilities like, Michaela loves to cook and she loves to go to the grocery store. So that was something we started to do together is we would plan meals so that there would be food in the fridge for whenever anybody opened the fridge and went into it. You know what I mean? And it wasn't just like a whole burden on me and it wasn't a burden on her. So we ended up just working it out and having a lot, a lot of conversations. Some of them were heated and some of them were pretty calm and tame, but that's where I would start. I would start with like, okay, why is he bugging me? What is he doing that's bugging me? And is it really him or is it me? Like, do I need to adjust myself? Do I need to like find out why I'm upset? And it might not have anything to do with him. It might just be like you're just pissed off because you thought that you were going to get the time now to just spread your wings and be your own person. So figure out where it's coming from. Figure out the source. Always, always, always figure out the source. And then I would really be honest with him and let him know what it is that's upsetting you and give him the space to tell you where it's maybe not working for him as well. You know, because relationships are two-sided. There's his side, your side, and somewhere in the middle is the truth. That's what I believe. So that's how I would handle that, okay? And then establish some ground rules. Whatever you need to make your household work and to make it peaceful, figure them out and say, this is what we need. This is what I need. Can you meet me there? Are you able to behave in this way? Are you able to honor these things so that I can enjoy having you here with me? And, you know, there'll be a lot of give and take. So you got to be flexible. You got to be flexible because you got to remember, like I said, they're adults now. They may not behave like it, but they are. So treat them as such. Give them space. Give them grace and be clear. Communication, communication, communication. You know, I'm a big fan of it. So talk it out. Okay, you got it? And now back to the first part of your question, which is a juicy one. I gotta be honest with you. I don't think I was so, um, I don't think I was very fucking good at not having my trauma roll downhill onto the girls. And I think the reason for that was because I didn't recognize it 
really as trauma, I was late to the party. Let's just say like me figuring out my trauma and that it was trauma and that there was something there residing and um, left over, you know, from what had happened to me as a kid. I didn't come to terms with it. I I really didn't know until things start to go wrong in my life as an adult. You know what I mean? Like until my relationship with my husband was not going great. We were having some challenges with behavioral issues with the girls. And I wasn't until stuff started to go wrong that I started to look inward and try to figure out why. And, you know, obviously we both came from broken homes, so we didn't have a whole lot of tools on when we had actually we had zero tools on how to have a relationship. But um, we also didn't really have a lot of skill at parenting. So, you know, it wasn't until it started to go sideways and I started to, I started to be in therapy and questions were being asked of like, well, where do you think that comes from? Or tell me about, you know, they always say, tell me about your child. Tell me about your, and it wasn't until somebody said, that's a lot. Like what happened to you is a lot. And you also realize and understand that those things that happen to you are not normal. Like not everybody has those experiences as a, as, as a child and as a human being on planet Earth. That was a surprise to me. I mean, it, obviously these weren't things that I ever talked to anybody about because I was young and I was little. So I'd have to say that unfortunately for me and regrettably, I don't feel like I did a very good job of not passing my trauma down. And, and in, in the sense that, now, the blessing was that I was so militant about safety and where they were allowed to go and who they were allowed to go with. Like, if you've read my book, Raising Your Kids Without Losing Your Cool, I said that, you know, it wasn't until, and I obviously I re- refer to it also in the Parenting Your Teen book, is that our girls were not allowed to have sleepovers unless I'd been to the home, unless I'd had a relationship with the parents. It wasn't just enough to just like shake hands on the play yard and be like, oh, that's so-and-so's mom, that's so-and-so's dad. For me, in order for our girls to be allowed to do sleepovers or go away on weekends or do anything like that with any of the kids that they were friends with, I had to actually feel get a good sense of the family and the home situation and the life and where my girls were going to be spending their time. And, you know, because I was so guarded in that area and I was so hyper aware of the fact that it literally takes two minutes to change your life forever. um, Fortunately, our girls didn't suffer any of the sexual abuse trauma that I had suffered as a child. But, you know, there were other things like they felt stifled in a lot of ways and they felt like that that parenting was coming from a place of distrust, not trusting them. And so there was a lot of work that had to be done in my relationship with my girls that I had to explain the why. Once they were old, well, once I found out the why of why I was like that um, and and I came to grips with what happened to me, then I was able to start having conversations with them. And then I was able to kind of go, I had to go backward. And then I was able to go backward in that relationship with each of my daughters and say, look, I'm sorry that I did X, Y, and Z because I was unaware. You know, I didn't have the knowledge and now I have the knowledge and I want you to know that I'm sorry and that going forward, I won't behave in the ways that I've been behaving. And in a lot of those ways, I was the way my trauma presented itself in my relationship with them was I was loving. Obviously, I was loving, but I was 
I would say I wasn't very nurturing. Like I wasn't very hand, like obviously I love my girls and obviously I took care of them. You can tell by looking at them, but I was fortunate in in my marriage that Yannick was very, very, very affectionate and very kissy and hands-on. So they got a lot of that from him, but that part of me was not really available. And it didn't become available until I did the work and I did the healing on myself. And so now I find myself as an adult, as a mother to adult um, children, I'm actually more affectionate and I'm more um, verbally supportive and and in there with them, you know? So I, I wish anybody who's listening to this, if you've suffered trauma and you are the parent of a young child, if, if you haven't done your healing and your work, then I urge you to start now because there will be ways that that shows up in your relationship with your kids. And these are just a couple of ways that, you know, it showed up for me in my relationship with my girls. So I, I, I would like to go back. You know how you say, like, I don't have any regrets. Like most people say, live your life without regrets. And I, I totally believe in that. And there are a lot of areas in my life where I I'm successful at that and I do live, you know, nicely without regret. But this is an area that I wish it was available because, you know, we're going back to, you know, the late 80s and it wasn't really, you know, hugely available at the time. And, and of course, early 80s when I was a teenager. But I wish that I had started the work and I had acknowledged that what happened to me wasn't normal so that I could have gone into my role as a mom um, more available to not only my, my girls, but to myself, you know, and that rolled over into my relationship with my husband too. So listen, all I can say to anybody listening to this today is just acknowledge that a trauma's happened, the sooner the better, because then it doesn't, you know, take up residency in your cells and in your, in your whole being and your psyche and the way you move through life. Do the work as, as soon as you can. And as I wouldn't say quickly, you know, as I said in an earlier podcast, so many of us feel like we want, we're results driven, right? So we're like, okay, well, this happened, but I don't, I want it to go away and I want to stop feeling that way and I want to stop thinking about it and I want to stop operating from that space. And you just want to get to the finish line of where you're like fully and completely healed. And that's not really how healing works. You know, it's going to it's going to show up again and you're going to have to look at another layer of uh the the negative effect or the you know the way that it shows up in your in your body and your cells and the way you move through life. So, yeah, I wish I had <laughs> I wish I had a different answer for you and I hope that this is helpful to you and if you are, you know, trying to figure out what to do with your own personal trauma um in your parenting, I would say acknowledge it find somebody who can help you work through it and deal with it and process it. And then if you need to go backward in time and, you know, have conversations with your kids to let them know that this is how it showed up in the way you related to them and that you're sorry. And I talk about that a lot, a lot, a lot in my books. Gotta be willing to say sorry as, as a parent, as a human being, you've got to You've got to be willing to take responsibility, take ownership for your shit, let people know where you you recognize that you've let them down, where you plan to be different going forward in the future, and then move forward, you know, move forward with new intentions and um, honor those. And don't beat yourself up. Don't beat yourself up. If you've operated in a way that you're not proud of, that you wish you never had, you can't go backward and change time. 
and you can't relive your past, but you can plot a better course for your future. And I encourage you to do that. So wherever you are in your healing of your trauma, be gentle with yourself, meet yourself where you are and take the time to work through it, realizing that it's not a race and you'll get there when you get there. And once you get there, go back and let the people know who you may have damaged along the way that you love them and you're sorry and you would like them to forgive you if and when they are ready to do so. And I wish you luck. Well, that was fast, wasn't it? Here we are. We're already at the end. And I want to thank you for tuning in and listening to this episode of Without Losing Your Cool podcast. And thank you also for elevating us to BFF and cheerleader status in your life. I'm so grateful for your support. And I love having you here with me every single week. And most of all, I'm just deeply obsessed with bringing these juicy, raw and real combos to the table so that you can live your life without losing your cool. If this episode touched you and it made you think things and feel things, I'd love to hear from you. So please share your thoughts and feelings on social media and just make sure you tag us at Without Losing Your Cool. You can also subscribe and rate and leave a review on Apple Podcasts and send me a screenshot of your review so you can be sure to be entered to win some cool prizes from time to time. And if you have a burning question that you'd love to have me answer on an episode of my podcast, go to ChantelBison.com backslash podcast and leave me a message for your question to be featured on an upcoming episode. And you know what? Until next time, friends, do the hard things. Remember, you're never alone and show up like you mean it all without losing your cool.